the natural high. Hello, friends. I've got a particularly inspiring podcast for you this week as I speak to Inez, who is a practitioner of the healing arts. Not only do we talk through some fascinating subjects such as the status quo, communicating with the dead, premonitions, Zen meditation, ayahuasca, and indigenous peoples of America, but the overall vibe and positive energy that this human emanates is quite extraordinary. Rarely have I become so relaxed and at peace so quickly and completely in the company of a stranger. In short, no words that I can offer can really do justice to this podcast. You'll just have to listen to it for yourself. You can find out more about the transformative services that Eneth offers and reach out to her by going to thenaturalhighclub.com forward slash healing. But for now, I strongly advise you to brew a cuppa, sit back and enjoy this fascinating conversation. Please remember to subscribe from wherever you listen to this pod to get every new episode of The Natural High straight to your phone. Enjoy the show. Wonderful name. Oh, really? Um, well, it's my father's name. So, and he was from the Philippines. Huh. Um, so, but I've also heard it uh, in many Latin countries that a lot of people tell me their grandmother's name was Inez. That is true, actually. I spent a couple of years in Spain, and I do remember a few uh, people named Inez, actually, now you mention it. Yeah, I think it's a, it can be a common name. I, I adopted it. It's actually my last name. Um, oh, okay. But um, I was uh, working, when I was working with the curanderas, they, my, my full name is Rebeca Consuelo Inez. Rebecca Consuelo Inez. Oh, you did that so well. <laughs> <laughs> and so I usually tell the story that my mother, the reason she named me Rebecca was to protect me in society so that I can be very Americanized. Um, I see. And so if, to me, that's my colonized name. So I don't use it except for, for legal reasons um and then consuelo which means consoler or counselor um i think she named me that because it was a a way to keep hold on to that um the authenticity of her culture and also feel the comfort of of our connection so i thought that was nice <laughs> and inez is my father's name Okay, so for some reason, I assumed that you were of Native American origin. Well, according to the DNA, I'm 64% Native American, but native ah. to the Americas, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that can be the Asia, Asia, which I'm part Asian, um, mm -hmm. um, also Mexican, uh, Aztec, Azteca, and... Um, and a bunch of other stuff that I found out through my DNA testing. But that's amazing. You've got incredibly nomadic DNA. Yeah. <laughs> I actually <laughs> I do, yeah. How about you? I am from the UK. I was born in Wales and lived most of my life in the UK and in London and Manchester. 
And then about five years ago, me and my partner moved to Spain. We just sort of um, upped sticks. We were going to buy a house and we were sort of looking at houses in London, um, ones that we could afford. And they were all sort of, you know, tiny little places next to the motorway. And so we thought, why would we do that? We could actually improve the quality of our lives by just sort of jacking in the jobs and going traveling. So we went to Spain. Yeah. <laughs> and Spain we is so Spain. amazing. I love Spain. Oh, such a beautiful country. Uh, we so, so we got a we hired a camper van. Or we bought a camper van, I should say, and we drove down through France and then Spain in a very leisurely fashion. And we ended up on the south southern tip of Spain in a place called Almunieca, um, which ah. is re- is in Granada, and um, it's oh. really close. It's really close to Africa. It's one of the closest points um, for of Europe to Africa. Mm. Um, Costa Tropical, very hot, very beautiful, very sleepy, just incredibly tranquil and harmonious. And we spent a long time there. And then we moved to Amsterdam and lived for um, two years in the Netherlands, which is another wonderful city, which I'm very nostalgic about. Nah. And then three years ago, we moved to California. We moved to Amsterdam because my wife was offered a job there and then she got promoted and the the head office for the company is in America. So fortunately, we we got the chance to come over here and we've never looked back, to be honest. Obviously, yeah, obviously, you know, every country has positive and negative parts about yeah. it. Um, and, and you know, all the politics going on in America at the moment. And, I mean, there's so much stuff about America, which is questionable. But there's also so many amazing things about America, not least. And probably the most important thing for me is the people who I find very friendly and welcoming, especially in California. Yes, I think you're right. I think it's a beautiful place. I've only lived in California. I'm a California girl. So wow, I've been here and and where? Oh, sorry, time. where do you live now exactly? I live in Berkeley. Beautiful. In the Berkeley Hills, I feel very blessed. I'm right a walk out my door. I'm in Tilden Park. I don't know if you're. Wow, I love it. Such a beautiful part of the world. So it's a it's perfect for me being in nature and being you know because that's my connection is uh, the is nature and trees Mm. and plants Um, so that's what I was doing this morning doing some harvesting uh, in my garden so yes it's a it's a beautiful day we're now so where are you right now I am in San Francisco we live near to Sutro Tower in Twin Peaks in San Francisco oh nice it is nice and you know one of the great things for me about San Francisco is how green it is Um, I have a dog uh, he's one of the loves of my life and we go out every day and spend three or four hours in Golden Gate Park and all the other green spaces around San Francisco uh-huh. and you know for a world-class city it is actually for me I find it particularly green I know that it's still a bit of a concrete jungle in parts but it has got a nice yeah. it's got a nice percentage of greenery and Golden Gate Park's one of my favorite parks of all time I grew up in Golden Gate Park wow yeah. so you know San Francisco really well well, I was young, but um, but Golden Gate Park I know very well uh, because we spent a lot of time there and, you know, went to the merry-go-round and things you do as a kid. Yeah. And I just, I in the museums over there, you know, I'm so I'm over there still whenever I can because um, mm. I'm very much into the arts. Uh, my last career was uh, an art administrator, so I spent 30 years in the arts. So wow. different, my fantastic, different lifestyle, different energy, but really similar in a lot of ways because the arts are very healing. Um, mm. As you know, the music and literature and 
perf- all the performing arts. And these are the things that bring us joy. I think that's what we're missing right now that we can't connect with is being mm. a part of, you know, going to the museum or go see a performance. And although they're doing a lot on Zoom, it's just not quite the same. No, of course. Definitely not the same as being physically face to face, is it? And being able to physically interact. Right. It's so strange to me how quickly we have gone back to, you know, we've sort of changed our ways so quickly and we've defaulted to, you know, the idea of, of not wearing a mask in public now is already quite shocking to me. You know, six months ago when I saw people wearing masks, I thought, wow, that's a little bit extreme. And right. now right. it's completely different. It's not, It's the no, new normal. Yeah. Do you think in a year's time we will be... Um, without masks again, do you think we'll, we'll return to something approaching what what life looked like before all this happened? I hope so, but um, I don't know. It, it feels like we're going to be a little more cautious in the coming year mm. Um, mm. about our health. And I mean, in, you know, like in China, they they wear masks a lot. And yeah. so I I was thinking that myself. I'm wondering if we're going to become more you know, in, t- in that way, in tune with, um, you know, caring for each other and being more careful. But I think until we find out more about this pandemic, um, I think we're going to stay safe. I think, I hope we're going to stay safe. People will continue to take care of themselves and others. My projections for humankind are, are a little bit bleak, although I'm overall, I'm a real optimist. Mm-hmm. But the way I, when I look at things and how things are going on with the global pandemic at the moment, for me, it feels like a pivotal point in humanity, a, a point at which, you know, we've had our final warning uh, with global warming and with, you know, pandemics and all this sort of stuff. And, and this is our, our warning to really change our ways. Yeah. But my concern is that we will just go back to how things were. We'll go back to destroying the planet. Yeah. Um, we'll go back to this i this this ugly idea of progress, which yeah. is just you know for more industrialization, more consumerism, more stuff. Yes, I I'm with you, Oliver. I think the same thing. Um, I worry that I almost feel like this is a it is a pivotal time, and it's a really wonderful time for us to take that moment to re-examine our lives. I think a lot of people are, at least a lot of my clients have told me, you know, they've, it's time to sit still. And we're coming into the winter and fall, so that's when we hibernate and we even go in deeper. But, hmm. you know, to go back to the way it was is almost a little frightening because we were, we just kept going along our ways and wasting water and polluting the, polluting the air and the garbage, just so much garbage. And the homelessness is just, um, you know, that part is, I see things changing a little bit with over here in Berkeley. I've noticed that there's Mm. been some changes. And as far as working with the homeless and people paying more attention to um, being more compassionate with each other and recognizing that, you know, we're, we're, this is the humanity that we are and that we do care about each other and that people are basically good but can we stay in this place because there's a lot of fear in this in this place because there's so much unknown can we stay mm-hmm. in this place and then when things do go back can we remember what we learned can we remember the importance of uh, you know taking care of the earth and not 
having to drive for miles and miles to get from one place to another so that we're polluting because for a while that you know it, the traffic was great now it's back it seems like it is you yeah. know it's a bumper to bumper again and I'm thinking it was so great because the air was clearing up and people were being more because they had time to think about what is going on in this earth we know that we've gotten to this place where we're at the 11th hour it's time for us to make a change and if we can do it individually that's beautiful you know um, when I spent time in Belize um, with my uh, shaman curandera she they well she she taught us about the importance of water in in a different way and that was okay. that we only got a bucket of water a day to do everything with each person how many people each person okay this was yeah we were at a um, uh, it was a retreat and we were there for a month and we were there to learn more about um, the natural rainforest healing and wow. so what she did was she they she had to because this was how they lived over there they only get so much water during the day and so that each person got a whole bucket it was like a five gallon bucket and mm -hmm. it really made me wake up to the importance of water and when I came back home and so this is this is where I'm heading is that when you're, you're living in a certain way you can appreciate it and then you you know you live that way and then when you go back to your normal you're taking you know you're running the water on your shower you're letting that you forget to turn the sprinklers off uh, you know got the dishwasher running so those kinds of things you forget and so that's what I'm afraid of is that we're gonna forget the importance of what we're learning right now during this pandemic during this um, structural racism that's happening all the things that are going on that you know we'll just forget and and the whole pollution of garbage is like the plastic we've we heard about it for a long time then it kind of went under you didn't hear much and now you know it's still there all, all the you know the the birds are just the birds are disappearing the animals you know the um, and so we have to stay and now because of the pandemic we're using more plastic if you go in the grocery stores they've given out plastic like it's you know they they're letting you use your own bag now but for, mm. for a while you had they would you only had the choice of their bags right and so we were we went back into this place of having all these plastic bags I know here we've because when we went shopping before now we've got a whole big glob of plastic again I'm like what we got to stop this yeah. and so I'd rather bag my <sighs> groceries outside and then you know bring my own bags just it's an inconvenience and protecting our land is an inconvenience sometimes because we're used to us we're we're used to everything being so easy for us. Absolutely. We, we want it and we want it now. And we, as you say, we're used to we're accustomed to that excess now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm. Tr I'm. I want. Some, I just. I. And I want to recognize. I want myself to recognize it. And when I get a chance, if I'm teaching a class or something, I, I try to bring that forward as part of my mission, as part of my purpose in life, is to um, acknowledge what I'm doing, the part, good parts that I'm doing, as much as I can, but just to keep us to remember who we are and what our ancestors, what they did, and how they protected the land, and that it's our turn for the next seven generation, for this, this next coming up, that we are the ancestors for them. 
So we want to leave this land the best we can. And we're trying to reverse some of the damage. I don't know if it's possible, but if we can just, you know, do the best we can, each person do the best you can. Um, Such a good point. Working in the micro. One of the reasons that I started this podcast a few years back was because I read an article in a newspaper, a British newspaper called The Guardian, which I love. And um, the, the, newspaper, the title was, Humanity has wiped out 60% of animal populations since 1970. Mm-hmm. This was written in 2017. So in the space of 47 years, 60% of the animal populations wiped out due to industrialization and this word progress. Um, I think if you asked most people if they, if they could have a, a leader of the country, a leader of America, for, exa- for example, who mm. prioritised um, climate change and the environment above everything else, I think a lot of people would, would go for that. But then it never quite happens, does it? It always gets pushed to the background, I think because, you know, money talks in American yep. politics and you don't get big companies lobbying for green politics. You get big companies lobbying for all of these different things which get onto the agenda because of money, but mm-hmm. you don't have multinational companies saying, I'm going to give you $2 billion, I'm going to lobby with two billion dollars for you to get um green politics on the agenda i think that we don't love the world like we you don't love the earth like we used to and you're mm-hmm. talking about indigenous populations who respected the earth were at one with the planet and we are so far detached from that right now but i like to think of trying to find solutions rather than just moaning about stuff and what you mm-hmm. said is beautifully framed because i think it's about taking responsibility for ourselves we can control that can't we Yes, that's the one thing we can't control. And the thing that I think is so, that I feel encouraged about is, is many of my um, students and clients are in their early 20s, some 30s, and they get it. They get it. They, you know, they are out there on the forefront. They're working um, in the nonprofit world. Even though they're not making a lot of money, they're trying to help save the planet save the save america save um the home work with the homelessness working with black lives working with so many other causes that i see and the, but they also they're very in touch with themselves and with nature they get it that that's like the core the core is who, that's who we are so grounding mm-hmm. grounding yourself to the earth every day because they get really stressed at the work that they're doing. So they need something to keep them steady and connecting with the land is is a lot of them are doing it. I was surprised and you know it took me 50 years to figure out who I am and what I'm doing and um, and to rediscover the earth although I I've loved the earth all my life. I mean I've, I've always been a a tree hugger so to speak. Mm. but yeah but you it you have you go on in life and you you know you have children or whatever you do i did um and you you have to make a living and so that becomes the priority and just i don't know we just kind of trudge through and we forget that's why i think in a sense this is a really good time this is such a a beautiful time for us to take take um, I don't know, take a look at ourselves and see where we're going. And what is the next step? What is the next step mm. for us? If we carry on as we are at the moment, I just, I don't think it's going to be very good for us. Yeah. 
I like what Joanna Joanna Macy says about this is the this is she's been saying this for 20 years or more. This is the great turning. It's the time for us to tur uh, turn around and look at what we've done and and help the earth go back to to back to health, you know. Poor mother earth is is moaning. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that means going back towards sort of holistic practices again, doesn't it? And spiritualism. And we've seen modern civilization seems to have shunned that in many ways, don't you find? Um, I don't... Well, I think, yes. Um, in the modern, so to say, modern world, industrial world, it's, it's shunned because religion can be... You know, religion is a whole other story. But mm. when you're talking about <laughs> spirituality... Um, the, the spirit within yourself, the spirit of right. of who you are, and that's within all of us. I mean, it's not just um, indigenous practice. It's it's just that we we don't recognize it like we like they did because they had the time, and that was the important thing for them is to be involved in each other's lives and to create habitat that was sustainable because they they didn't move around a lot. They would create their you know their homes and sure. uh, next to water and plant be able to plant and grow and then they they might move down the ways a little bit while this land healed and then go back you know to the land uh, they would go back and forth you know healing the land mm. so that they're not you know constantly raping the land of its nutrients the soil so the soil can heal mother earth can heal so she can prosper and grow and that's what that's what we're trying to do i think but we've built all these houses you know and that's why with the fires out here the structures are burning down i mean it's natural mm -hmm. to have fire but the structures there are creating a lot more pollution because of the burning and there's structures right. where there weren't structures naturally you know up in the woods which we love right but yeah we we didn't build and we didn't think about how that's going to affect nature how that affects right everything is is changes because of our choices even our daily choices like you were saying that yeah it's it's up to us individually so each choice that we make if we're going to drive cross country uh which we you know we'd like to do <laughs> but we have if we had vehicles that weren't polluting the air so much um i know there's there's lots of different reason i'm not a scientist so uh i don't know much about much much about how that all works totally technology seems to me such a double-edged sword as you said you know like there are so many benefits from it but there's so many so many inhibiting factors to technology as well such as our ability to travel great distances now at great cost to the planet you know also the fact that we're speaking to each other now remotely yes. you know in the past in the past we would not have been able to do that so it seems to me that technology there's a correlation between the advent of, and, the, and the, the development of technology and the dissolution of community yes yes i mean i i mean i love having this ability the technology yeah it, it, and it's i mean it's a it's a beautiful thing and it's a, it can also be a detriment because of how what it does you know mm. when we're using all these lithium batteries what are where are they going after so that's only my concern because I have I have a Prius, so I you know, I have this lithium battery I guess in my car. Yeah, same. I got a Tesla. Yeah. Oh, nice. But then what happens to that, right after? I mean, exactly. it can, 
and if we've got billions of those out there, then it goes, does it go into the land? Is there a way to repurpose these things? And that's, I think, the goal is to find ways to repurpose everything. Mm. Um, mm. I like, um, I, li I go to Bioneers when I can, and they've had different people there that talk about, you know, green building and, and, um, and there was a movie, I think a DiCaprio movie that talked about how if we would pay attention to how nature creates, that we could also learn so much that even like the spider webs and how they can be so strong that we, if sure. we, if we could learn and, and, and be like them or find other materials that can mimic something that goes back to the earth that's natural without having to like recycle it in some kind of factory so that they it, it gets repurposed have it mm -hmm. just repurpose itself naturally like you know like the earth does amazing yeah so beautiful i'm so excited to speak to you i have been for days because i'm looking always looking to expand my perspectives on you know sort of less mainstream i suppose ways to enrich your life and i looked at your website um ineshealingarts.com i'll put it i'll put it on my website page anyway yeah. and I, I really wanted to go through all of the different practices which you offer which <laughs> i just i just find fascinating but I, I'd love to find out first just a little bit more about, you know, if you could tell us something about your story, how you arrived at this path in your life. Sure. Um, I think I touched on it a little bit about um, going to Belize uh, mm. and working with a curandera there. She's probably was the the main person that brought me into the healing world, although I've, I've worked with other curanderas in the Bay Area and New Mexico, um, also going to um, uh, traditional medicines without borders was another uh, thing that I was working okay. with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've, I think my connection with, with earth and with healing, and I had, I had three sons that I raised, and I had to uh, figure out how to take care of them. I had to take care of myself. And so a lot of the times I would I started to learn more about the herbal medicines. So that's where I kind of started. Uh, I okay. was also- Why did you why, why did you gravitate towards herbal medicines as opposed to conventional pharmaceuticals or whatever? I guess because it was, I just felt natural. It was an intuitive, mm. felt intuitive. Um, as a young child, I was very sick. I had asthma, I had allergies, I still do, but I was right. I was extremely ill and I was always on medication and I mm. did not like the way they make you feel the the side effects and I didn't want my kids to have to deal with that stuff although um, it was a blessing that none of them have weren't very ill but the basic mm. you know flus and that type of thing and it just it did feel intuitive and I and I was interested in the plants I was always growing something and they spoke to me so i i knew intuitively but then i also studied with them i studied with them and with other teachers so that i could learn more about how the healing power is it's an it's a beautiful energy because it's um it can transform you so easily compared to what like the without the side effects that mm. uh pharmaceuticals have uh um, right. So that's kind of where I started as a, a young child, feeling ill, and then you know, 
I was very young mother as well. So I, um, as I had my children, I wanted to find ways to make life better for them so that they weren't having to be, so I fed them well. I grew my own, it, when I could, grew my own food and made my own baby food. Right. And I was, a, you know, I was, I was a little past the hippie time because I was born in, I was born in the fifties, but, um, mm -hmm. I wasn't during that generation. I was only 10 years old. So, <laughs> uh, right. summer of love was 67. Was it? Yeah, I think so. Mm. And so I was past, I was a little, you know, young for that, but I did, you know, I grew up during the time, during that time. So it affected me, you know, all the things that were happening. Um, it wasn't present in my family. We didn't, you know, they didn't, my, my stepfather did grow vegetables and I, really appreciated that I appreciated every summer and having those fresh tomatoes and onions and zucchini it's like to me that was like medicine and I always felt really Amazing. good eating the, mm -hmm. and tasting real food even now it's the same I feel the same and though I'm growing more in pots because there's not much land out here um, right. so but I still feel the same about the plants um, um Go ahead. Yeah, it says, sorry, just very quickly on your website, you, it says, from a very young age, I became aware of my intuitive abilities. Is, is that what you're talking about? How the herbs, the plants really spoke to you? You felt uh, you were gravitating towards them because they felt so good. Yes, as part of it, part of it. But the other part of that is that um, as a young child, I also had visions and didn't know what that was about. And it was frightening. Um, and nobody was around to help me or mentor me with that and because mm. everyone all the the ancestors not ancestors but the grandparents all were trying to help us become americanized right they they wouldn't they they would deny it they would deny the medicine and when i'd mm. ask you know oh so even after i started studying it i said so do we have healers in the family and are there any um you know, curanderas, and they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't go there, because it's like, they, they called it witches, you know, um, brujas, and, right. and so only until recently, I found out that my grandfather was a medicine man, um, ah. I had no clue, but my aunt told me, a couple, two or three, only two or three years ago, that I said, well, so how did, how did your, I was thinking it was my grandmother. <laughs> I was hoping it was, thought I had this connection with my grandma, right? Um, so, so what were the visions? Could you detail them in any way? Can you remember them? Oh, oh, visions. Yeah. Well, the visions were more, um, were, came to me in dreams. Um, okay. And so things that would happen in daily life as a child, even, I would see, um, I could see things happen, you know, in advance. So wow. um, premonitions, so to speak, which were kind of scary because then if, for instance, my first one that I had that I recalled that scared me so much is that my bunny rabbit um, died under the washing machine. And I had, oh. I dreamt that. And when I woke up the next day, I was looking for my bunny rabbit, couldn't find him. And I looked under the washing, there he was. So. I thought, no did did way. I did I make that happen? I was terrified. I thought mm. it was my fault because I saw it, you know, and I knew it. So why, you know, maybe I made it happen. So those kinds of premonitions that I was having as a child, intu intuition and premonitions, 
um, I didn't know what to do with them. And so I was able to shut it down at some point. Like I think it was around 12 when I really shut it down because I could see things mm -hmm. and I could understand some of the abilities that were happening, but I, I mean, I really didn't understand. So that's probably the wrong yeah, word. I was scared. What do you mean shut it down? Well, ignore it, I guess. But, okay. you know, kids have these abilities. I don't know if you have children, but when children come into the world, the, the innocence and the intuition and the, they're so open. They're still, what I say, they're still part of spirit. They're still part of the stars. They still wow. have those abilities to, to see and know. And if you ever have a child, they, they haven't they haven't been pressured by social conventions, have they? At that point in their lives, hey, if a child looks, there's no prejudice in these children, right? You know, and they look at you, and they just they they love. There's love automatic. It's just that innocence, um, that purity of love that is still with them until we mess them up. <laughs> And until we tell them, oh no, that's not real. Yeah. You're making that up. You're you're lying, you know. Right. And I saw that happen with my grandchild at one time. His parents kept telling him, well, one of the parents told him that, you know, he was having these um these he was having visions and he had people like little characters in his life, like what they call, you know, their their um, friends, little friends, mm -hmm. vi uh, mm -hmm. invisible friends. Imaginary friends. Imagine yeah, sure. you, there it is, imaginary friends. And almost every child has that. And okay, yeah. And they'll have it until they're about six or seven. But mm. they're not imaginary. They're really in tune. At least this is what I think. I think they're just so in tune with with life and reality that we don't see so many different dimensions that these children see. And that the so they're seeing spirits, as it were. Uh, they could be spirits. It could be multidimensional. It could be. I mean, I don't know. Um, wow. But, but they are. They really are there to them. Yeah. I mean, I saw my grandson, you know, saying, "Oh, Alma, I brought five friends today." I said, "Oh, really? What are their names?" And he would tell me each one of their names, and they all had a. Wow. They had a character, and they had, you know, they had an identity uh, to them, and. I was a little disappointed that he was taught no, that they're not real, that you're making it up. It's not, you know, and because w what happens if they are able to like look at that and say, you know, and first of all, it knocks them down thinking, I must be, something's wrong with me if I see this, right? Or if I know this and, hmm. and why, why am I, am I, you know, then they start to, you know, le learn, um, you know, that something's different about them and they don't want to be different because everybody wants to be the same so that they can fit in we, there's this you know in community we want to fit in and that's why being a person of color as well has been um, a hard track for me as well as uh, growing up in a pretty white community um, I didn't grow up in San Francisco I came into the we went into uh, the burbs and Concord and we were only mm -hmm. four people of color in the whole town so wow. it was a it wasn't an easy road, but those they're sure. that not fitting in and wanting to fit in. So there's a lot of uh, trauma around that. But um, and I'm sure that affected how I connected with my own inner spirit and trying to understand myself and 
took years, years therapy. <laughs> and, and so many things that I want to ask you from what you've already said, but I want to give you the mic because it's so fascinating what you're telling me. So you, you shut it all away at the age of 12. And then how did you, how did you come back to it? How, when did you stop denying these impulses and these, this intuition? Well, I think I kind of went in and out for a few years, but when my mother passed away, um, things change when, when an important person in your life leave the planet or oh, leave, yeah. leave the physical realm um, as we know it. And something opened up in, I don't know, something opened up inside me that made me feel freer in a sense and also realized, you know, life is really precious and what's it really about? And trying to understand all those I, gifts, I call them gifts, um, that are inherent, you know, they're part of who you are. And so when that opened up, I, I just started to be able to be free enough to experiment and to, you know, um, explore that world a little more. Um, and then people would come to me even at work when I was, I worked in city government for quite a while, <laughs> people would mm. come to me and they could tell there was something different going on, I guess, because they would come and they would start to tell me their dreams and they would start to ask me questions. <laughs> they would about, just volunteer this information. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, why do you, <laughs> why do you think that I would know this? But it, I still have that happen. I've had strangers come up to me and don't know who I am and they'll, they will ask me to do healing on them. And I don't know how they even know I'm a healer. Wow. Um, and healing just means, you know, a, a transition or a, a transfer of energy from, from where it is to another place of, of okay. peace and um, transformation. Um, mm -hmm. Not that I'm curing anybody, but, they, but people feel, I don't know. And people have told me this. They said, I just knew that you were a healer. I'm even more desperate to meet you in the flesh now. <laughs> well, we will do. You're not far away. Yeah, yeah definitely. But yeah, it's, I think it's really interesting. I think it's because I open myself up to spirit. And that's my goal every day. Um, makes me a little emotional. Um, Marvelous. That if I, but it's, it's, a, it's a happy emotion, isn't it? You're feeling overwhelmed with, with a it's joyful like, thing. It's like Inez, get out of the way. <laughs> Marvelous. Is it, Inez the ego then? Yes, Inez the ego. Yeah. Inez the intellect. Inez who studied, hmm. you know, acupressure, who studied Ayurveda, who studied with the, with the Kudan. Get out of the way. It means it's, it's important and it's great, and it, but it means nothing. It means nothing because for me, the channel between myself and spirit is all that matters. So beautiful. How do I get out of the way of myself? How do I get <laughs> my ego out of the way? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing you know, challenge, isn't it? And I've spoken to so many people about it, but I'm realizing how important it is to be aware of and challenge your ego in your life. It is. It's... it's um... It's amazing. It's. Uh, I mean, what is that process of getting out of the way? I what is that get, process? I'll, I'll tell you because I get in the way yeah. sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm only human. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I, and sometimes I'll be working on somebody like a client. Um, and so my, my work is energy medicine. So I can move stuck energy, but it's really not me moving the stuck energy. It's, it's a connection between myself and the client and their mm -hmm. ancestors, my ancestors, and all the healers that have gone before us. So the first thing I do is that's I, gr I ground myself and the and the uh, client, and I tell them that this is how this works because they say, well, I don't know what to expect, and I say, me either. And so then, every once in a while, I'm working with somebody, and I and I think Inez gets in the way, and she starts saying, oh, that might be a great idea. I think I'll. I remember reading that. That's probably it. That's it. That's what she needs. I can do this. Mm. I'm, I'm the healer, right? <laughs> and then I go, mm. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> no. And I, I mean, I go there to a point and then I see that it's not, it's not working because it's, it's all me. It's all Inez thinking she's so smart and she can do this. But, mm. but the minute that I connect, that intelligence is connected as well with spirit and I'm fed this beautiful information and I'm channeling in a sense that's the word that people use but I don't know what other word to use other mm -hmm. than let it flow through me um, the energy from the universe or creator or spirit so whatever your energy of love and light is I'm transferring that through myself into another being and that's how the energy gets moved and that's how the healing begins hmm. um, but as soon as I step in there and start you know going I think I can do this uh, I think you know this probably when this happens you recognize that you know you recognize your intuition you know when somebody you need to talk to somebody so that, that thing when is it a gut feeling could it be described that way yes it's like a gut feeling mm. and gut boy that's part of our that's our core right the second brain yeah <laughs> that's what they Absolutely. say these days yeah. um, well but, I mean the human body is more sophisticated than anything we've ever been able to invent isn't it yeah it's still more sophisticated which is why we should as you say listen to our bodies listen to our intuition yes and, and we, that's why we've gotten so far away from that in modern life. We have. It, it's just, it, it messes it's us up. It's been marginalized, hasn't <laughs> it? These sorts of practices have been marginalized, and I wonder why. Yeah, it's, it, it's well, we're, we, we're taught that certain things are acceptable and other things are not. Mm, social convention. Yes. And, you know, like we, you know, millions of people around the world, um, you know, adhere to every single principle of books like the Bible and the Quran, which have been written thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. that they are seen as still um, timeless, credible by the people that follow those those um, edicts. But uh, but then more spiritual, holistic uh, ideas and pathways just seem to have been more marginalized. I wonder whether I've always thought of religion in some ways as a system of control. I think it, mm -hmm. that is an element of religion, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. to put the fear of God in me. You know, people right. for hundreds of years were worried about having the fear of God in them. And, you know, so it was a system of control as, as well as anything else that it might might well be yeah but i don't think i don't think um the sorts of practices that you're talking about and spiritualism can really be controlled can they by higher powers by the establishment yeah. so they're of no use and maybe that's why they've been marginalized 
and they're so different even if you if you go out into the you go into the you know deep woods of the you know peru or wherever and there's you know you see the healers they um it's never the same they can't tell you what's going to happen um and it's and they and they, even with them even the songs change the vibration changes um it's a constant growth it's constant movement you know and as you said something about religion um i i agree with you in in, in a lot of that but i also think that those a lot of those rules were meant for that time when it was written mm. you know like not eating pork because it's it's not healthy because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't preserve it and that type of thing so there they were made not necessarily just for there to protect and rules to help govern yes and to control yes um but i i think there was some benefit at the time and and the stories are I love the stories. I love a lot of the sure. stories that we can still translate into our life. And yeah. um, fables as such. Right, right. And stories help us. I mean, people, they get the, you know, they can sometimes grasp what someone's trying to express through a story. Mm. And they can learn mm. through the stories. And I think uh, I really would like to get more into stories, but d like dreams to me are stories. Um, sometimes they are um, prophetic, but they also at times are um, stories that help us to understand ourselves deeper, our subconscious. Well, can you tell me a story? Is there anyone that comes to mind? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I adore stories too. And I'm also fascinated by dreams. I love the dream world that I live in, you know, that I spend eight hours every night in bed. And, you know, some of that is punctuated by amazing dreams where my mind goes yes. to completely different worlds. Yes. And it's and they are informative. Yes. And they and they kind of speak to what's going on in your in your psyche at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't have a story for you, but uh, the dream dream medicine, I think, is very strong, um, and I feel that in you because uh, there was a couple things that came up for me this morning when I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be talking to Oliver. I don't know this person. Yeah. Wonder what he's about. And I was getting mm -hmm. this. Um, I was getting this reading of who you are, um, wow. and a very deep spirit that you are, and that you have wow. such great. Um, things I like about you that I don't know you really <laughs> but just even from your website it doesn't really tell me who you are but it tells me what's important mm -hmm. to you your intention mm -hmm. in life and mm -hmm. and I think your intention even even with what you're doing goes much deeper than that and I think you still have time to explore that and since you just told me you have dreams and that you you actually remember them do you write them down I don't know I don't write them down it's a it's I keep a I keep a, a journal by my bed to write down my dreams and I date them and then I title it because sometimes you forget right and then you okay. go back yep. and you look at that and you see the things that where you've grown you see what that message was you may have got it you may have missed it and I think um, for you I would I would recommend or suggest that you um, take the time to write a lot of your dreams down be okay. because there's going to be more information there than you realize. Uh, 
I, I think we all have the opportunity as people to have a positive impact on people around us and the planet and that's my intention mm -hmm. I don't always I don't always succeed but that's certainly my intention mm -hmm. in terms of my dreams my father um, who is one of my best friends uh, in the world died uh, December 2018 mm -hmm. and I my family um, have really struggled since his death because he was the great unifier in the family, a wonderful man, always happy, always smiling, always whistling, um, always happy to help other people, a, a very small ego as far as I could see, was mm -hmm. just a positive force in the world for everybody mm -hmm. around him. And so that's why it felt like such a loss. And I've tried to be, I've tried to celebrate his life since he died with mm -hmm. all of my family and the people around me. They've got quite depressed about it, but I'm trying to celebrate his life. And But I dream about him maybe three times every week and I'm wondering whether some energy needs to be moved or whether I don't want to lose lose him in the dream no. sometimes they're sometimes they're really unhappy dreams with him in them but I I feel closer to him as a consequence of having the dream so I don't want to lose the dreams but yeah some of them are, are terrifying yeah yeah that's fantastic I love that um, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure he has mess I think you're very connected to him and that he has something for you and he wants to continue that connection so that, you know, it sounds like you're very similar if you ask me, that oh. you've got that. Um, and you're, you're just, you're still uh, starting to recognize, I mean, doing what you do now is, is so much, is part of what he may have wanted to do more of. And yep. he did it in his way and, you know, by being that, kind of happy-go-lucky guy that was the but also the strength of the family um, mm. he he was able to do that within the family unit and you're doing yeah. it on a, in a in a bit of a larger scale and going out in the world because of our technology and mm. you're able to also bring that energy of kindness and also uh, uh, what's the other word that came um, it's a, it seems like power, but power doesn't mean like, you know, pushy power, but power to, okay. power to build empowerment, empowerment uh, to empower others. But also it's, it is a, it's a power within you that you have. And it, 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 it's the force that helps you move through life the way you are and see life mm. the way you're seeing it. But you're also learning a lot because of what you're doing. And exactly. it opens up all those parts of your heart so that you have more understanding. Your brain, too, of course. It's, it's an expansion of it all. But you're, um, yeah, it's, I really think that you're on a trajectory of moving forward and growing into something new. Something else is coming. Um, oh, that's so, I love you. That's so sweet. The check's in the post. Yes. <laughs> but... Um, what do you think happens to us after we die? Good question. Yeah, I was working in hospice for a while. Um, I've spent my whole life con contemplating it, but I don't think I have a specific answer yet. But I don't believe after the body dies that that's it. I, I do believe something continues. I, just my intuition. There you go. See, you've got it. Um, mm. Yes, I, I believe the same way. Um, I had a client who... Uh, a few years ago who was, had brain cancer and he'd been miserable for the last five years and he just was ready to go but he wouldn't talk to anybody about it and I was there as 
um, a gentle touch therapist and a, you know, a little sound healing. Um, and he had ministers coming and going and he had all kinds of help. Um, and so one day I'm working on him with some nice, beautiful essential oils and just talking about life. And he's like, so what he said, ask me the same question. What do you think happens? Hmm. And I thought, okay, here I am with a client. I don't want to say something that goes against the grain of his beliefs, right? I didn't know his beliefs specifically. Sure. But I also wanted to uh, give him something to hold on to and something to that he already knows. I think we already know when we're, especially when we're that close mm. in the end. And I said, well, you know, I, I think it's different for everybody, but I. Is different but it's the same at the end but his question was more about what's going to happen in a sense of his body what's going to happen to my body and is it going to be painful or what have you um, right so we went a there. common concern right right and and but then again then he wanted to know so what's what's comes after and I said I can only tell you what I've seen because I've been at the end of life with different people passing over transitioning to another place and or another space i shouldn't say another place space yeah yeah and i felt their energy leave their body but they were there still i almost and and almost could visualize their energy either standing there or floating or present with us even though their bodies had already shut down wow. and so i said i i think that we uh, this is, and I told him that I that I'd seen that, and that that we're still here, that you're still present, and that you're just you just leave this physical body, but you're still part of all of us. We're I think we're all part of each other. You know, we're stardust, we're particles, and mm. part of the plants we become. But our but our, I think our soul, what you would say, soul, which is like our. Uh, it's, it's connected with the mind in a sense because it feels like the soul has a mind. Mm -hmm. But that energy of who we are, who we were, is the body and that person. But who we, what we return to is the essence of what, how we came in. So when I'm talking about the babies and how they come in, because I was also a, a birth doula, so I've seen, oh, on, wow. I've seen both ends. So I watch these babies come in and I watch that innocence and beauty come in. And when we go out, I think we reconnect with that, reconnect with that energy, wow. that essence. But it's an essence, it's a source of energy and it's still here, it's always around. And, um, and I, that's why I think we can call on our ancestors. We can, like, you know, what's coming, Day of the Dead is coming up and how uh, Mexican cultures will do mm. uh, an altar for the family member with all their favorite things, right? And um, have that one day when they can reconnect. We can reconnect all the time, but they, this is like a special time where they really celebrate the life of that person. Uh, I mm. didn't have that because my mother wanted us to be Americanized. <laughs> I can't say that too many times, but <laughs> it, I, was, I missed a lot of that beautiful culture that I feel like um, I wanted to reconnect. So I've, I have reconnected with that. So I've learned more about my own traditions of my ancestors and how they've done, how they 
reconnect with spirits, that they can reconnect with the energy of li- of past lives. And I don't, I don't know about past lives. People always ask me, do you believe in past lives? And I say, I think that a past life is your ancestors. It's your DNA. It is always with you and it's part of you. So you might have a dream and it might show you or a vision, it might show you something that happened during an ancient time. It is part of you. It is your past life because it's it's mm. it's your ancestors. It's it's and they tell you even well, this is what science tells us that um, you know we carry the DNA for gener from generations. And of course, that's how they you know now check our blood and all that stuff and know where we come from. But um, if you think about it, and we're carrying all that, then we're carrying their memories, we're carrying their images, we're carrying their pain. Hmm. We might even be carrying their illnesses. So even when people come for healing, I tell them sometimes, you know, they don't know where this is coming from. They don't know where this fear is coming from. And so when we go into a journey, we go in deep and find out what's going on and we ask for the help, they can maybe find out. If they can reconnect, mm. if they can reconnect, but it's up to them. Can you help people to reconnect with their ancestors? I can guide them and I can facilitate their journey. So what I do is I, I would love to do that. Well, we'll do that. Um, that would be really amazing. Yeah, it's like the people. You have to be ready for it. Not everybody's ready mm. for it. Not everybody can accept it. I don't know for a long time, people. You know, and I and I. I'm the same. I thought, well, this is all this woo-woo stuff, right? And there's things that you I, felt it. Yeah, but I, I also know it's like when it can be woo-woo, if the ego's in the way, and if we're right, and if we're like in that, you know, somebody's going to try and make money out of you know tricking somebody, mm. um, and there's a lot of that out there, unfortunately, but there's a lot of uh, authenticity out there too. So. Um, being authentic with being able to go and understand all these transitions in lives, all the the medicine that we carry from our ancestors, the pain that we carry from our ancestors. Yeah. And that's what's happening now with the Black Lives Matter, right? Is there mm. the pain of 400 years has just been too much to bear. Wow. And it's yeah. really opening up, you know, everyone everyone's starting to recognize it. it's not just made up it's not no you know people would say to, as a person of color people would say to me a, a white girlfriend in fact she was we were talking yesterday and she said I never realized that you know a person of color goes through this and I and, and most people will look at me you've probably seen the picture of me on my website and think who who would be who would be cruel to you and who would be you know, because I, I don't look like somebody who would be angry or you look hurt, so friendly. <laughs> hurtful or anything. But hey, I've been followed in grocery stores. I've been, you know, I've had people, I've had a lot of, you know, trauma over the years of racism and prejudice. Wow. And, um, and I would, I would have to tell myself, no, this is not real because nobody would be that mean. But I still mm-hmm. experienced it, and it was it was very painful. And then I just recently found out that my sons went through so much um, abuse as well. Similar stuff, right? More because they're they're males of color, 
and they had it my one son told me it happened to him almost every day of his life walking to school walking to his friend's house and i said it just beggars belief doesn't it it beggars belief how people you know everybody anybody could be you know unintentionally disrespectful to another culture but to do it willfully right. i can't understand where that comes from well it comes from, it comes from way back <laughs> deep with yeah. you know there's just too, there's been too much hatred and then you know the but certain certain leaders these days are still generating that hatred aren't they yes and and that's where it started you know um you know way back when they were just they wanted to rule and and own and control yeah. everything and take advantage of another culture that might be you know not understand what what's going on like even with natives i always felt like why didn't they fight back but they were trying to they were trying to live the way they always lived and and believe that there's a good in everybody i mean they and did sort of a help yeah a help thy brother sort of philosophy wasn't there like yeah, i've heard um, so many stories about colonialism and you know uh, these colonialists going into countries and they were welcomed by the natives they were welcomed in they were fed and watered right by, you know it's, it feels so much like the bad guys won <laughs> well they took control and they mm. took the, they took over the land and they and the only way they could do that was to uh, through genocide and and killing and raping and doing what they felt like I, I still feel like there's good in everybody but I think that when we, they get hypnotized in a sense by the by somebody telling them that this is the way you know even like I was talking about when little kids think that their life is different until somebody tells them and then they have to you know go toward the thing that everybody accepts um yeah I, it's and 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 i think we are all susceptible to that um mm. i think that you know sometimes we want to be on the side that's winning if we're a go against the grain then we're punished you know it, yeah it, I I mean, look at large swathes of the German population in the Second World War, you know, seemingly good people who were brainwashed into into thoroughly, unbelievably evil acts. I know. It's just, yeah, I just, I... Do you think that indigenous peoples of America, for example, are, are finally being recognized and protected and even celebrated in some way by America, in, in modern America, or is it still a little bit of lip service, but no real reparations or protection? Yeah, I think it's not come very far. I mean, it's it's further than it was um, and being recognized, but still, you know, I don't know if you can, you can't go back and change what's happened. There's too much, mm. there's so much damage that's been done and emotionally and spiritually, that damage. We, we never want to forget those things. So how do we move forward with it? Well, I think we acknowledge it. Mm. Uh, that's the first step. Is like, and it's the first step of everything is acknowledging, and I think that's where we are right now, is recognizing the damage, and what can we? What's the next step to healing? All of right. us. And the thing is, we all have those. We have these feelings that we were were fed for years. I mean, it's hard. Even even people of color, we all you know, we have these uh, a stigma about white people, so to speak. And how mm. we can't trust them, and but so it's in our DNA, Native American. Yeah. We can't trust them. They look what they did to us, 
And I didn't feel that. I had it in me, I know, because there would be times that I would be afraid, and then I'd say, you know, people were just against me. And, of course, then people thought I was making up stories. But um, the believing the, the main important thing, I think, is to be listened to and accepted the truth and not say, oh, you're just making that up. You know, mm. oh, it's just one in a, one person here, one person there, one black person shot here. But we, I think with technology again, now we see, we actually can see that. And how much have we missed over the years when people were abused and killed and treated, mistreated? But the brainwashing, I think we need a new brainwashing. <laughs> I don't know how we can re redo the brainwashing. It seems like it's in there and it's in the DNA. So, mm. and I don't know how far back that goes. I mean, we can look in history and see how far back. I mean, it's been happening, you know, even, you know, in ancient times, there's always, it seems to be there's a good and evil. And most of that is greed um, and wanting to be the one, the you know, the one that has it all. But then, you know, yeah. I think there's a, I, I want to believe, I really want to believe that, that innately we are all from the stars and that we are, have this beauty when we come in and that, you know, if we could just pay attention to that and, and when, when we've, you know, when we're going through these transitions in lives, re reemerge through those transitions and find the truth people like you going in and, and reconnecting with your father, even on a spiritual level, and, and asking for help with the, from the ancestors. So they're there to help us and acknowledging where we're messing up, you know. Mm. And I think that's what we're doing. I think we're trying. It's, it's going to be a long road. It took all these years to get here, generations. I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime or your lifetime, but I'm hopeful, and um, and I for me, I don't know. People say, "Well, what can we do?" Well, take one step at a time, you know. And again, recognize, do your part, whatever that part is. If your part yeah. is to go out and help the homeless, if your part is to go out and march, you know, with Black Lives. Um, or out with the, the sandhill pipes or the, you know, whatever it is, um, do listen to your intuition and you're here for a purpose. So each of us has our own unique purpose. So whatever, and it fits into the puzzle of life. It fits into the puzzle of our world. I don't know what that puzzle piece for the guy in the White House is, but... <laughs> But I, but I actually think what's happened because of him has reawakened so many things in us. And the conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're having more of a conversation now, aren't we, about social ills, um, problems with society. It's definitely the conversation is definitely being had because of this crazy man. Yeah, and and so that was his purpose, just to come in so that we could get to this place where we are. I just hope it doesn't, <laughs> you know. Ah, that's a yeah. whole nother <laughs> <laughs> The Black Lives Matter movement has really moved me, and mm -hmm. I've you know obviously it's highlighted 
uh, it's, it's again highlighted an area of American history and global history mm -hmm. of oppression mm -hmm. and um, uh, and discrimination. I watched an amazing film called The Thirteenth recently. Uh, I think it's on, and it's it's just a, a wonderful history, a brilliant history of slavery in America and modern slavery in America. How it still exists in just different guises today. Mm -hmm. I. I I want to say sorry. I want to uh, approach people in the street and just say sorry because even though I, I don't feel like I've got a malicious bone in my body and I think that every place that I go to is immeasurably better when it has a community from all over the world, from all <laughs> different places, you know, a, an ethnic melting pot. And I believe that I am in the majority, but we need to amplify these problems, don't we? And the situation in America is so polarised at the moment, it doesn't feel like we're moving forward constructively. There's so much hatred on the table. Yeah, yeah. I, I do see that still, too. It, it's, it surprises me. But the other thing that surprises me is that the the white people that are stepping up and really, really strongly pushing through this and saying, I'm standing with you and I'm, I believe you and mm -hmm. I feel your pain. They, and that's new. That's new. Um, I mean, over the generations, the reasons that slavery, slavery was ended and uh, many oppressed, um, minorities were able to move forward was because of people white people that followed their purpose and had heart and compassion and saw the wrong you know that was happening and yeah. and that's what I think that's happening again I think that there we, we can't do this alone it's such a complex scenario as well, isn't it? Because people, figures like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, we could look at them and scrutinize them now and say some of their behavior was just wrong. Right. But at that time in human history, they were very progressive people. Right, right. Yeah. So it's about the time that we find ourselves in as well, isn't it? And the, the, the places in history. I mean, we, we, there's mm -hmm. this whole conversation now about historical figures, statues being pulled down. And right. in many cases, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's this... There's just a feeling of anger and resentment around, which does not feel nice. Right, right. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's mixed feelings for all of us on all mm. on all fronts because partly we we need to remember history, and because we need to grow and learn from it. But it looks like we haven't. <laughs> right. Unfortunately. Yeah. What were you going to um, say? So so many questions. Oh. I want to ask you. <laughs> Firstly, I'm going to touch, because you've mentioned it a couple of times, upon parenthood. Uh, my wonderful wife is seven months pregnant, and oh. it's our first child. Oh. So hopefully everything going well. We'll have a daughter in a couple of months' time. Congratulations. Um, you, you, thank you so much. You, and you speak so glowingly about it. So um, <laughs> is, is, is it one of the, mo the most wonderful experiences of your life? Yes. Yes. Um I would. I don't think I did a very good job of being a parent because <laughs> I was so young. Why? I was. I was, well, I was seventeen. I was very mm. young. I and I apologize to my children now. I say, "Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I screwed up so many things." They're like, "Am I my <laughs> oldest?" I bet they adore you. <laughs> my oldest son. Who, Idolize you. Uh, he's my oldest son. Said, "I think I turned out pretty darn good." So <laughs> I was like. Well, you did. You you did to my surprise because of the way I things that I choices that I made, but you know, in the, they all come in individual as, as their own person, so we can mess them up, but they still have their their whole being of who they are. 
So, you know, if they're going to be president, they're going to be president. But um, mm. or if they're going to, you know, whatever they, they do, they are who they are. They have that their own soul, so to speak. But um, yes, parenthood is probably one of the most joyous in this time of the year, too. I always think about this time of year, the fall. And I think of my kids outside playing and I'm making stew in the house and the air is fresh and crisp leaves out there and they're throwing leaves. At so that was like one of the most happy times in my life. And then um, having, I have two grandchildren. So Fantastic. I didn't think it could, I didn't think that love could be stronger than for your children. But when I had a grandchild, mm -hmm. I fell in love so deeply. I thought this is what real love is. And when you have your child, you're going to feel that way. It's just like real, that real love, that unconditional wow. love that we all, we long for and we strive for. And yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful, oh, I can't, it's hard to even explain, but wow. I know my kids know that I adore my grandchildren and when I go visit them, it's all about the grandkids. <laughs> but Brilliant. it's all, you know, it's also you're, you're free of having responsibility as a grandparent. So that part is good. But you're also now in another place in the world where you're mentoring. So you're not trying to teach the person to be this certain way so that they become human and what we think is right in society. You're, you see it so much a bigger picture when um, because you're you're relaxed, more relaxed as a grandparent. I don't know if your parents are nearby, other than your, your, your is your mother still around? She's in the UK. In the UK, but she'll you know mm. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I wonder if you've got any advice for me because my child will certainly not lack for love. We're both very affectionate. Uh, we'll be very affectionate parents, I'm sure of that. But we've also got the dog that I mentioned, and yeah, I love my dog to pieces. But he's so ill-disciplined. I always thought <laughs> that I could rule through love rather than any form of discipline. And I wonder what your tactics have been and would be in that respect. Do you think discipline is like an important part of parenthood, or do you just is it better just to let them you know find their own way and just give them loads and loads of love? Well. I'm, I'm from the old school, so discipline was important, but I don't, now that I see how my sons have raised their kids, I saw, when I saw how they, their love was, was a discipline in a sense, because mm. they might correct them, which we would, I would might call discipline, but they didn't do it. They don't do it the way I did it. They do it with love. So I think you can still use discipline to help guide them to know what's right and what's wrong or how this is good for them and it's not, or this is not, this is going to, you know, this is, a, you know, you have to be careful about this or that. Um, but if you're disciplined, you're guiding them through love, um, you're still, you're doing the same thing, uh, giving them the tools they need to become an adult is the main thing. And, mm. and being strong and not being wishy-washy that's where I wasn't that great at. <laughs> Sometimes I would, <laughs> part of me wanted to just like let them do whatever they wanted. And then the other yeah. part of me is like, I can't let them do that because how will they learn? And then they're going to be brats out there, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. but you know, they, they all turn out okay. Um, but I think the guidance is love. The main thing is giving, you know, um, re listening to their needs and 
giving them guidance with your love, you know, and, and just really being there present. So being present means you've got to be okay with you. So mm. it's a matter of, okay. of loving yourself too, loving wow, yourself. That's a really interesting point. Because yeah. you, uh, you are the, you're the guide. You're the, you're the person that's going to be giving them this nourishment. I've got to lead by example. Yep. Uh, another thing that I'm really excited about, another angle of it, and I want you to explain your feelings about this, is that I really feel that I'm going to get a piece of my dad back when my child is born. Do you see and feel your ancestors, your parents in your children? Do you strongly feel that? I feel it, but I didn't recognize it until recently. Um, but see, mm. you're so much more ahead of the game than I was. Because um, <laughs> you already have that um, thought in your head, you know, so you're going to mm. be looking for it. Uh, yeah. and, and even with, and I didn't know a lot of my uh, family. I didn't know my grandparents. Uh, so that's why I'm always look, asking questions of my aunts and uncles and, that I know wow. what are, what were they like? And, um, and how, you know, how did they, how did they respond to this or that? And were they, were they happy go lucky people? Well, you know, and I see old pictures of them and, uh, but I think, yeah, I think I see them physic physically by the way they look. I can see a grandparent, my grandfather, and in mm. my son. And then I look at the old pictures of my on my um, husband's side, and I see his family. I see, wow, my grandson looks just like his great grandmother, and and those eyes, you know, are so profound. You can see the you could see so deep into their eyes. Um, so really, I think l you'll see it. You're intuitive. So amazing. And I think you're, yeah. Yeah. You, you're, you were so in touch with who your father was and he's part of you that you'll probably find he reemerges through a lot of things through her. When she, you make me feel so good about myself that I think I'm going to need to give you a call every day just for a little pep talk. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, fantastic. You're, you're bringing, I'm so you bring thrilled. Up, you bring up good. You you bring up good medicine. So that's what that's good your vibes. your gift. I really it's, hope so. You you bring you pull it out. You you know you explore well. <laughs> you're a good explorer. Oh, fantastic! I'm very interested in other people. Um, I. It's really good. You've talked about good medicine, and it's something that I want to come on to. A lot of people, spiritual people that I speak to, are quite disdainful about this, but mm. I'm fascinated uh, by the idea of ayahuasca. Do you have any experiences with it? Have you ever used it? Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on it? No, I have never used it. Um, and actually, last year, I went to an ayahuasca conference in Spain. Okay. And mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot. I I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to understand it, but I'm so glad I did. I'm glad I didn't experience it until I learned about it Be right. because there's so much more to it than um, what you might hear some people talk about uh, besides the, you know, the journeys that go on and, and the, uh, you know, the hallucinations and the clearings and all that. 
because it's been brought into the modern world hasn't it by by to the masses without real understanding of it for for example one thing that i've heard about ayahuasca is that traditionally then um, the person that was so the person was being medicated as such would not take the ayahuasca only the shaman would take the ayahuasca and then he would interpret um the feelings of that person from tape you know from speaking to the spirit world which is, uh, now everybody's just taking out ayahuasca and hoping that they're going to be medicated and cured <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's a lot of us Americans, I should say, we we want everything now, as I said, and we want it we want it fast, and we want to fix everything, and we want the answer, mm. and um, and that's why you know modern medicine, the pharmaceuticals, uh, are are you know being overdosed. Um, if you plant medicine does not always work that fast, but ayahuasca, mm. of course, is a whole nother medicine, and yeah, the shamans, you have to. And that's the thing is people are going out there like it's a vacation, you know, journey and they they don't know who they're getting. Even I mean, even the traditional people are being are buying into it because it's a way for them to make money. So it's again, it's the greed that comes into something that's really pure to begin with. Hmm. The greed takes over and it, it dilutes the pureness. Um, of the medicine and I don't and I I believe that the medicine itself is pure but when it's abused or it's you know taken in the wrong way it's not going to be you're not going to get the healing that you could probably have gotten if by the real the real deal sure. and um, and I you know I know a few people have written books on it and um, and I trust them and I know that that what they talk about is is truth but um, I would never just go out and, you know, somebody who says, okay, I need $2,000 for a weekend and we're just going to sit here and we're all going to get, you know, go on ayahuasca or whatever. We're going to drink, mm. drink the potion. Um, even when I was in Spain, um, a few of the people that I was with, they wanted to, they had experienced ayahuasca before. They said, oh, do you want to come to this thing? We're going to all going to... Um, you know, go on a journey. And I said, no, I'm okay, but go ahead. And they, they had gone with these people that were supposed to be credible. And the ayahuasca that they got was not, not even pure, not pure and not good. And mm. they, they recognized it right away and they left. So wow. it, it's, it's, um, there's so many things out there, you know, the mushrooms are really prevalent now. Um, mm. uh, I have not done hallucinogens. I've always felt that I could go to that place without that. Without them, yeah. Yeah, and a Amazing. lot of a lot of my clients do go there without it, and I've gone on journeys with them. As you say, the shamans would go on the journey for them, but when I do the work, we go in together, and we might have mm. two different visions, so to help them through, you know, with what they're working on. From your experience in Spain, did you find it more or less compelling, the idea of ayahuasca, from what you learned? Hmm. I mean, would you ever be would you ever be inclined to take it, do you think, or have you made that decision? It just seems like an incredibly powerful yeah. uh, medicine to me and something which is distinctive from... It may be similar in some ways to mushrooms, but, you know, distinctive. And right. I've heard, 
uh, it only came into my consciousness a few years ago but I'm if I was going to take any drugs I think at this point I, I say drugs that's probably a very crude <laughs> way to describe it but um I, I, I yeah I'm interested because a lot of people seem to get answers from taking ayahuasca they they have this outer body experience these are people that I've spoken to about it right. this outer body experience where they're stripped of their ego and they get this sudden clarity about the, the being able to separate the wheat from the chaff in their lives you know this right. is what's important this is trivial and unimportant i'm spending all of my time worrying about all this nonsense where this is what's important right but aren't we looking aren't we aren't we acknowledging that now even without taking anything yep very true um very true. and and what your question was yes i while i was there in spain i was feeling more inclined to want to try it um, mm. But then I questioned myself, why is it? Why am I wanting this? Because I feel like I've been able to go there, and I think, well, am I really? And I don't know. So there, because something's planted in my brain, a seed. Then of course I'm thinking about it, and then I realize that if it, if if I were to do that at some point, that I know who I would go with. I have you know my friends, the doctors that I've worked with, that I would experience it with, and feel safe. And because um, to me, that's a it's a big part of it. I want it to I want it if I'm going to do that, I would want it to be the real medicine. I would want it to be in a very sacred way. Um, I don't want it to be just like an experience. It's, it's more from it would be more for me than an experience. It's going to be or trying to find the answers. It, for me, it would be, you know, connecting with that plant, connecting with the medicine and the right. message that plant wants to tell me because that's my intent you know so it's an intention whatever your intention is and going into it um, and people do want to find answers everyone wants the answer right now um, and and it's already here it's already within you you know and that and mm. and you don't have to you can I mean if you that's the way you want to go find it but you don't really have to go through that you can get it in your dreams you can yeah. you know you can have it in a special uh, passion flower tea. Um, you can go on a sound journey. There's many ways of connecting with your your spirit and getting answers without going into a hallucinogenic uh, fashion. But it, I mean, uh, people enjoy that. To me, it's become more of a recreational. Com right. Component. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you've spent you spend your whole life working on yourself, really, don't you? Becoming more uh, woke, if you're part of the phrase, but you know, <laughs> just working on yourself, understanding the world, understanding yourself, appreciating the present, and and perhaps it feels to me maybe ayahuasca is a little bit. It's perceived these days. It shouldn't be. It's perceived by some as a sort of you know quick uh, sort of shortcut to fulfillment and contentment and higher understanding. Sure, you know that's that's been the way we are, <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. okay. It's not a wrong, you know. It's not a a bad way of thinking because it's it, it, and it and it can. I'm sure it can. I've heard many stories, and it can be very beautiful and creating art through it, and um, and finding a deeper truth. So the the young man that made the the movie, The Last Shaman. I don't know if you saw that. And he was. The, I haven't, but I certainly will. Yeah, he was. It's called the Last Shaman, the young man. He was, he was going through some deep depression in his life, and um, he decided he was gonna, he was gonna find a medicine man and go do ayahuasca. And so this, they made this movie. They followed him, a documentary almost, about how he 
how he had gone through it and the medicine. I think he was in a place that was seemed very realistic, and it was. But when he, I heard him the other day on a YouTube, and he said that even though he did all these things, he was there for months, and he was doing ayahuasca all the time, and it changed his life in, in a lot of ways, but then when he had to go back to the real world, he still was in that place of not knowing who he was and the pain that he was still suffering. Um, the experiences were good for him because he could go back in his mind and go, yeah, okay, I was there and I, I got that answer and I know how to, how to work with that. But um, unless you do the, the work for yourself, you know, the medicine could probably change you for the moment, but then you go back. It's like dieting, I guess. <laughs> you know, you can diet. Right. <laughs> you eat. You can lose all this weight and then come back. Put it back on. To boat, yeah, yeah. I just think, um, I just think it's our, our, the, that our own medicine is. If we could just go within ourselves and find it, uh, it's going to be. It's going to hold. It's going to be held more true. It'll be. It's more because it's already part of you. You don't have to do anything to create a different energy in your body because it's already right. there. Uh, would would you would you say maybe in that sense the less you feel that you need, the more content you are? So you know people feel like they need to take ayahuasca in order to have this journey, but having those needs, having needs for alcohol, for cigarettes, for mm. ayahuasca, for anything, for gambling, that sort of um, perhaps makes you discontent as a person. I don't know if it makes you don't need anything, then you're happy. Yeah. I don't know if it makes you discontent. You mean it makes them discontent because they can't have or they don't have it or because they need stuff. They feel they the need, need for things. Well, that's it though. The thing is the discontent is already there. So mm. yep. that's where you that's where you go into your dreams and say your subconscious tells you what's going on. You know, I'm discontented because I don't like the way I don't like how I treated my mother. I don't like right. that I said this to so-and-so that, you know, I hurt somebody's feelings and that causes me to dislike myself and I'm going to go have a beer because then I don't have to remember that I, that I was, right. that I was Just cruel. covers it up. Right. Mm. Right. But when you do, when it numbs you, you to the realization, if you just, yeah, we and there are things we don't want to realize about ourselves, but the more that we are vulnerable with ourselves and can see we can see some of the things that they're not not everything's wonderful about us you know I I, hmm. I can't say I feel perfect in any way <laughs> there's many things that I'm I feel like I'm gonna be on this path of working to finding more about what I need to be doing and how to heal myself on a daily basis that's why what mm -hmm. I was saying every morning when I get up, I you know have to have that connection, and so it helps me to move forward. If I don't have that connection, I can get lost. I can get lost in the trauma. I can get lost in the pain, and the suffering that's already there in the world and in my ancestry, or I can see what you know what's what's ahead for me for today. What is where is my purpose taking me? Who needs help? What what am I what can I offer the world today, just today, so we don't have to be, you know, projecting too much and thinking we're not enough. There's, it's so because yeah. it's too overwhelming. If we look at it in a, in a big picture, like we, we've been doing today, is talking about the whole world. And but if we just stick with just ourselves and take care of us, 
and love ourselves and appreciate the beauty within our own hearts and where we come from and you know why we're here why are we here mm. and, and what is it I can do today to fulfill that need so that I have done my my part yeah. Sure. And if you can do that sort of, you know, e examination, that rumination of yourself, then you can ultimately project positivity outwards as well, right? Yeah, I think so. And that's, a, you know, that's meditation and, and, and connecting. And, and meditation is a whole nother, you know, another thing. But for me, grounding, and it, it could be meditation, it could be what I call prayer, which is just um, my own words into the, into the, ethers you know into the okay. into the universe um now i talked to my plants this morning you know trimming Fantastic. them so connecting with of course people think i'm crazy but <laughs> it's the oneness yeah but if we really if we really do connect there's energy in everything the energy is we are such energy and um amazing anyway I love, I love that train of thought. I think it's wonderful. And that way of looking at life, uh, we've got so much to learn from you and so much to learn. When I look at your website and you talk about what you're, you know, what we can give to the world and what you're giving to the world is truly incredible. Oh, um, thank what, you. Do you. You spoke about meditation a second ago. Is there a specific practice uh, of meditation that you find particularly useful, impactful? Uh, how do you meditate? What's your, what is your practice if you're happy to talk about it? Um, yeah, I, I tend to go with um, Zen Buddhism I only mm -hmm. because I practiced with the, the Zen practice, but really all of Explain it. Explain to the layman what um, the tenets of, of Zen meditation are, if you don't mind. Well, it's really about, it's almost everything that we've been talking about is just emptying the mind, you know, and going, mm. and going in and quiet, quieting, quieting all the ego racket letting that all go. It can be posture. Certain traditions have a certain posture. Um, I, I tend to make sure that I'm, you know, erect from my, you know, from my crown. For me, it's like, if I, if I know my, my top of my head is going up toward the heavens and that my, if I'm sitting, then my, my tailbone or my core mm. is connecting with mother earth. To me, that's my channel um, of, not enlightenment, but receiving the energy of love and light and the energy of whatever it is that needs to come through. Um, and to me, that's a big part of it is, is um, that, con that connection. And I think mm. right there, when you do that connection, it's, that's ancient, that's indigenous. And then we go into the, you know, maybe the traditional roles of posturing and, um, holding your hands a certain way uh, and breath and breath of life right going into the breath so that sure. and when you focus on the breath that helps you to let go of some of the stuff in your head it's not an easy task <laughs> as you yeah. know if you meditated mm -hmm. and it's and it's a, you have to remind yourself again to be compassionate with yourself that, that there's no right or wrong this is just uh, no judgment no uh, uh, analyzing, just being with your own body. This was really connecting with your body and just being present. And if you can, if, if is a good 
if you can let go of all the stuff in the mind, which is really hard. And so, and by setting some of it aside, like, you know, when people can't sleep, they say, write it down and put it in a journal. It's the same kind of thing. So I'll tell people just take that, whatever's on your mind, grocery shopping, grocery list, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow, you know, when the baby comes, you know, all these right. different things that are coming. Just set those all aside and look at this time for your time of healing because it is a time of healing. The meditation mm -hmm. in, is when you can center yourself, you can breathe, you can really get in deep. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful practice. When, and when I heard this um, cardiologist talk about it being like the third most important thing for health, I was shocked. And he said the first most important thing, of course, is, is uh, diet and then exercise. And then he said the third most important thing is meditation. And I was like, hmm. whoa, meditation? You know, this is this cardiologist talking about meditation. And then the fourth thing, what do you think the fourth thing is? Oh, my God. Um, sleep. Everybody says that. And I think it is important. <laughs> but it absolutely is. But it's, it's not what he said. <laughs> he said okay. the fourth most important thing is love. Oh, wow. So Wonderful. Yeah. So, and that, and I, wow. I said, yeah, because that's keeping your heart healthy, keeping your mind clear, you know, when those are all connects, so if you're meditating or, 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 you know, even if you sit for 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, and just let yourself let go of all that garbage that's in the head. And um, yeah, because we, we collect so much. If we turn on the radio, we got, you know, friends, we have family, and, it's, mm -hmm. and it just, it's all this noise. chatter, yeah, noise. And it can be overwhelming and people have so many people have anxiety and stress and because they got too much going on and they can't they can't let go of it. They feel yeah. like if they let go, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to yeah. get done or something's, you know. But then you realize. Yeah, it, seems to me, it, it seems to me with meditation, the truth will out. And, you know, meditation is becoming more mainstream. It's getting more prevalent because it clearly has such psychological benefits definitely definitely does yeah it's like, i always find that if i don't do it every day though that i don't get the benefit unless i get into that groove of doing it every day and then i can find a really nice space yes and it becomes a discipline i mean i i'm my uh, i know that discipline is an important thing when we talked about that with with kids but for mm. our own self to self-discipline um so for our own benefit for our own health and if we can do it on a daily basis, you know, same time every day, and then we feel good. We got this. We got this, right? We took care mm -hmm. of business, and we're we're helping our health, and we're you know it's going to help us move forward. Move forward. I'm looking at the time, and I have to be at a client soon. <laughs> oh my God, it's been so amazing. I feel like I've only just scratched the surface, but you've been so generous with your time, and I, there's so many other things I want to go into. Perhaps. At some stage, we could do a part two. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the there is so much there. I mean, you know, I'm 65. I, mean, I could talk for two hours about every <laughs> single bullet point on your on your <laughs> website. Sometimes I think I have way too much on there, so I think I should focus on one thing. But mm. you know, I you've got so much to offer. 
it's it's available you know to us so you know and, and it's in so many different things and i and spirit brought me so many different um tools that i learned that i had no idea that i'd be learning yeah right and then all Perhaps came I together <laughs> Amazing. Perhaps I could finish by asking you about somebody that inspires you, somebody that's mentored you or inspires you through your life. Perhaps we could finish there. Through my life. Through my life. Well, the the person that always comes to my mind when people ask me, you know, someone who's inspired me, it's usually Mother Teresa. Wow. Uh, because Great answer. she I, I was raised Catholic, for one, but that's not the reason. <laughs> but um, I just know that from reading about more about her and her life and her life, that she had such a gift of giving, but she also mm -hmm. had a lot of she also had a lot of pain in her life, and right. was not a you know was was haunted by a lot of that. I feel like man, I wish I'd met her and. I could helped her, you know, the way she's helped sure. me to understand, you know, the, the gifts that we give back to other people. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, she, she suffered a lot and I think we all suffer, but it's by mm -hmm. moving forward through her suffering, she was still able to do what she did and through her dedication to her God and her belief system and her own inner truth was, is, um, admirable. And kind of my goal in life to do be like that, to be even when things get rough, you know, to continue on and to press forward because I know this is that I'm as long as I know I'm on the right path, that I haven't, you know, gone off the wrong way, got off the wagon. <laughs> I haven't yeah, I haven't left what what creator has brought me here to do. Then I feel like I've I've followed my purpose and that um, it seems like if you follow your purpose that how can anything be wrong so amazing so it's all about knowing your purpose finding your purpose mm -hmm. another of the services you offer yes <laughs> because that's really I, all part of the work it's all part of the work and in, in finding course. out more about yourself and healing yourself it's yeah you know um, I'm a very frenetic person like I've got loads and loads of it like nervous energy but through this conversation I have become so relaxed talking <laughs> to you it's absolutely wonderful as the best testament you know it's the best compliment I could pay you that your, your you. amazing healing powers have worked on me in the space of an hour and a half wow thank you for that I appreciate it thank you and the I guess pleasure it, is all it, mine it was meant for us to speak and I really hope that I will meet you face to face before long well, you know where I am. The Natural High.